What Are You Made Of? It's Mike C-Rock. Welcome to What Are You Made Of? Every episode of this podcast is centered around building ourselves and the people in our lives to reach our full potential. I hope that the experiences and stories of success from these conversations can give you rocket fuel to reach new heights and help you answer the question, What Are You Made Of? What Are You Made Of? I want to remind you that the Rocket Fuel book is available at MikeCRock.com forward slash book. That's MikeCROC.com forward slash book. Go get yourself a copy. And subscribe to the What Are You Made Of podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. If you like watching these, it's available on YouTube at my channel, Mike C-Rock Scirocco. Now, enjoy the show. Welcome back to another episode of What Are You Made Of? With your boy, the unstoppable Mike C-Rock. I have an unstoppable guest as well. I'm excited to bring Travis Mills to you guys. But before I do that, I want to thank you for being here. Thank you for the support of the What Are You Made Of? movement and the book, Rocket Fuel. It is a bestseller. Thanks to you. Keep going out, spreading the word with it, because we're going to try to make this whole world unstoppable. So today I have my man, Travis Mills. He's a retired United States Army Staff Sergeant of the 82nd Airborne. He is a recalibrated warrior, motivational speaker, actor, author, and an advocate for veterans and amputees. Travis's New York Times bestselling memoir, Tough As They Come, Tough As They Come, is currently available on sale in bookstores everywhere. Despite losing portions of both arms and legs from an IED while on active duty in Afghanistan, Travis continues to overcome life's challenges, breaking physical barriers and defying odds. He lives by his motto, never give up, never quit. Dude, listen. We said this offline, dude. You met, you match and align so well with the rocket fuel law. It's probably more for you than it is for me. And I just, first of all, before we get started, I want to thank you. I know people say it all the time. Thank you for your service. And a lot of times it's just it's said real quick. And I generally really feel gratitude towards you, man. And I want to thank you. Oh, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. And yeah. uh, no, I'm fired to be here. You know, I, uh, you know, I had one bad day at work, case of the Mondays. In truth, four sharks bit me at one time. Nobody cared. You know, because the whole Brittany Hamilton story. So I made this military one up and, uh, you know, we just roll with it. But uh, no, I'm just kidding. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. So was it really, did it happen on a Monday? Oh, I have no idea. Oh, I okay. Remember. I don't know how to yeah. know. You said it's like a Monday. By the way, Mondays are my favorite day of the week. And it's a decision that that's the case. So, you know, we start the show, Travis. Again, thanks for being here with what are you made of? That's the question I ask all my guests. So what are you made of? Well, I'll tell you what, I'm made of a lot of prosthetics now, uh, a lot of titanium and steel. Uh, and twisted sex appeal, obviously, but more importantly, you know, people ask me like, what word would describe me the best and like my best trait. And I'd say I'm stubborn, you know, like I'm, I'm just gonna, you know, grip my teeth and bear it and keep pushing forward. And no matter if I get my arms and legs knocked off or, you know, have a bad day, like I'm just going to keep, keep going for it. So I guess that's kind of what I made of uh, stubbornness and determination. Yeah. You know, what's funny about that. Uh, ironic is that I talk about stubborn all the time. I don't know if you saw anything that I've talked about with this, but I looked up the definition one time of stubborn because when I was a kid, my parents and people used to call me hardheaded and stubborn, like it was a bad thing. And I looked up the definition in Merriam-Webster dictionary and it said perversely unyielding. And I'm like, shit, that's, a, that's, that's what I am, man, perversely unyielding. And then I found one other word, which you may want to steal from me. It's called inexorable. Inexorable means unyielding, unable to be stopped. And I love that, dude. I live that. I love it. And you know, so, so let's go back in, uh, back in time where you grew up and growing up as a kid and all that. What ingredients went into making you prior to the military? Well, I mean, I was my mom and dad's favorite child, obviously, out of the three they had. I was their number one top dog. Uh, not the oldest by any means. Trust me. They had uh, my sister, ugh, and then my little brother, boof, you know. But, uh, 
no, small town kid, grew up playing sports, football, basketball, baseball. Um, went to college, played some football, found out that I was very good at the sideline position. I never played that, but in high in college, so good. And was then it, I what, like what school was that? Oh, Grand Rapids Community uh, College. Okay. Like, I played oh, Division Three. That's you know, what I was asking. So, you, you, what's that? I played Division Three. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah, I, yeah. I um, my mom knew I wasn't gonna like college because I didn't like school anyway. So she's like, "Hey, just go to this this school right here," and it was pretty cool. We won a national championship that year. Um, you ever see that show, uh, Last Chance You? Where they yeah. go around to the national championship yeah. like team. Yeah. So that's the kind of team I was on. Like it was not like it was my last chance to be anywhere, but um, we won the JUCO national championship. That's what they used yep. to follow. But that was back in 2005, 2006. You know, I, I didn't enjoy school. I wasn't doing really great. I was, you know, like, oh, crap, I don't want to be here. So I decided to stop wasting my money and join the military because um, it was something that was fun and exciting. And, uh, you know, then I just kind of, I just fell in love with the military and I went to the 82nd Airborne Division um, and life was good. So did you get recruited or did you see, did you seek that out first? You know, uh, they had a recruiter at the college, the second college I went to. I went to the first college and I left the like, semester and I went to a new college. And now they're like, you know, community college. And there's a recruiter sitting there and I started talking and hanging out with him. And then I started going in and checking them out. And uh, I checked out the Army, the Air Force and the Marines. And you know, the Air Force wasn't really for me. And the Marines, they're just so dumb. Like, I, like, I am not that. You know what I'm saying? Like, they're just like, I didn't Ooh. say that. I didn't say that. No, it's like painful. Like, they're just, you know, whatever. No, they're good. And the army just was like the best thing for me. So I was able to join the army and, uh, I don't know, go to the A second airborne division and learn how to jump out of airplanes and all that stuff. So had you jumped out of airplane? Have you ever skydived before the army? No, no. If you hear my son in the background, cause we're doing this. No, thing dude, it's cool. Hey, I got kids and I just keep them out of here for now, but I used to have uh, my podcast in the dining room and it yeah, was bad. Yeah. It was bad. So I get it. It's cool, man. I'm family guy. Yeah, no, I got you. My three-year-old is just here trying to get a paddle for the kayak, I think. And I don't know why he was in the house. They know I'm on this, but awesome, man. Um, awesome. So, fun. So, so then so so then what happened, man? So you went into the military and then and then when did you go to Afghanistan? Like was it what year was that? Um, so I first trip was 2007. I went in 2006 in basic and then I left January of 2007 for 15 months and went over there. And while I was over there that time, like uh, my medic had a little sister who thought I was cute. I was six foot three, 275, hitting the gym four hours a day, found supplements in Germany. And I was yacked, you know, yoked, whatever. And then I happened to meet her. Like first time we ever met, I flew into Texas to pick her up and flew out to Mexico for a week and then back to Michigan. Then overseas, I went, came back and got married to her like 17 days in person, been married 13 years now. Um, first, when awesome. I got injured, she like, wanted to leave but obligation factor now my social media is big enough where i'm like i'll ruin you if she stays so you know there's that but uh no so i went for 15 months came back got married went overseas again for a year in 2009 2010 a lot more firefights a lot of grenades a lot of uh shooting fighting killing and came back my wife and i bought a house at fort bragg i just re-enlisted and then we had our daughter chloe who was uh you know she's nine now but I had orders taking me to Fort Hood and I didn't want to go because my guys were going back overseas. So I canceled my orders and I went overseas with my guys. My wife understood the calling and the brotherhood and I was their boss and leader. And, um, you know, uh, that was supposed to be a nine month deployment, but a month and a half in, I put my backpack down on the ground after it was cleared. Like it was like oh, all clear backpack hit the ground underneath. It was a bomb. My backpack was 120 pounds. So it set it off. And, uh, you know, it took out my right arm, right leg automatically. And then eventually my other two limbs followed suit and I became a quadruple amputee. Holy shit. The bag too was 120 pounds. You guys were carrying 120 pound bags. 
Yeah, I had. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's crazy. Like the amount of weight that I. I mean, I had two thousand rounds of seven six two link. I was a weapon squad leader, so what that means is okay. we have these guns called two forty Bravos, and they're like the big. They call them the pig, but they're like the big girls of the of the group, mm-hmm. and they're like what you want. Like those are the guys that rip people apart as you're like going up, and it's uh, the senior squad they call. It. So I was in charge of the senior squad. And yeah, I had 2000 rounds of 762 link. So machine gun, like ammo belt link. And then I had like 20, 40 mic, mic grenades. You ever see those guns with the, the little barrel, like the big barrel on the bottom yeah. underneath the M4? Yeah. So I had 40, like 40 uh, rounds of those grenades and I had actual grenades and water. And yeah, I was stacked down, like racked up pretty good. Dan, and, and anybody around you when that went off too? Like anybody else? Yes. Yeah, there was two other guys that were injured, you know, that had to come home because of that type deal. They both recovered, fortunately, and um, doing well. They didn't like, there was no loss of limb, you know, things like that. But yeah, but, yeah there was two guys got hit with me. And then so what happens in that situation? So like, there's those guys there. And then how do you get rescued? And like, how do you avoid getting captured? Like, what what can you tell the story or from what you oh, call yeah, what, yeah. what happens? Absolutely. So I set my backpack down. And the bomb went off and I got thrown on the left side of my face and I rolled over my back and my right arm, right leg were gone. Like they, you remember they this, by the way, or is this what you were told? No, I, I was awake the whole time. Okay. Um, oh, so those parts are gone. My left leg is snapped through the bone. So you imagine your left ankle bone and the outside of your ankle bone touching your left thigh. Mine was doing that. So it was just muscle, skin, and tendons holding it, but the bone was snapped. And then my left arm was blown out at the wrist real bad, but I still had to use my thumb, index, and middle finger. And my pinky ring finger mangled up. So I hit the ground, I rolled over, and I you know, saw the aftermath. And my medic ran up to me on my right side, and my platoon sergeant ran up on my left side. And they started putting tourniquets on me. And I'm like, hey, guys, don't worry about it. You're not going to save me. Like, go save my guys. Two other guys are yelling out for medic. I'm like, go, it's cool. Uh, in my line of work, unfortunately, I've seen a lot of guys go for what I thought was a lot less injury. So I thought, you're wasting your time. And in my head, as funny as it sounds, I kept seeing the movie Saving Private Ryan. Because in that movie, the medic gets shot in the stomach. All of a sudden, he realizes he's going to die. He starts crying out. He doesn't want to die. He begs for his mom. And he ultimately dies. And I've always told myself from day one, like, that'll never be me. I'm not going to be the guy that freaks out. If I die, I die. It is what it is. And I'm not going to show any fear because I always exuded confidence. I was the first one to firefight, last one to leave it. Um, I always led from the front. And you always exude confidence as a leader. So I was just like, don't worry about it. Go see my guys. Not suicidal, but just not very hopeful what's going to happen next. And when they were working on me, you know, they ignored me. My platoon sergeant and my medic got tourniquets on all four limbs. So when they were working on me, I don't know who myself. So I reach up my left hand that was still kind of working. And I radioed my lieutenant. I said, hey, six, this is four. I got guys injured. I need your medic with mine. You know, so he sent over the medic that was with his element, uh, Doc Voice. And Doc Voice worked on the other two guys, Ryan and Brandon. And then he worked on me. And they, uh, you know, he, he got there. He's actually, the trauma was so bad. Worst he ever seen. He was like, you're going to be fine, Sergeant Mills. You're going to be fine, Sergeant Mills. You're gonna, you know, kept like on repeat. They're, they're taught to like calm the patient, mm-hmm. you know? And I was sitting on the ground. I was like, hey, Doc, hey, hey, just, you're fine. Do your job. Whatever happens. medic, like, it's fine. Whatever happens, you know, do your job. No big deal. You know, because I didn't think I was going to make it, but I didn't want them to like worry about what happened. So I said, hey, you know, it is what it is. Got in the helicopter and they put this re- protective like goop in your eye. It's like looking through beer goggles. And as they're on the helicopter, one of my guys is yelling out in pain and I'm yelling at the flight medic, like, hey, hey. And I finally said, hey, mother. And I said a bad word and I got my arm out of the strap and I swung it over my head like that to motion, take his helmet off. I said, take your helmet off. I said, sorry, I yelled, give my guys water until they're going to be okay. And uh, the flight medic actually, in my book, Tough As It Come, um, we, we, we uh, put it in there, but the flight medic wrote a letter. I'm like, I cannot believe that in the state that this guy was in, he winked at one of his soldiers and t- calmed him down and then yelled at me to give his guys water. So pretty cool. 
but you know, again, soldiers and mission first, right? Uh, I was built up and I knew that like I was a staff sergeant. I was the third highest ranking enlisted guy in my, you know, platoon of 40. Well, then I got to the hospital and they rolled me down the hallway and I keep trying to sit up in this nurse keeps pushing me down. And I keep getting on my left elbow and sitting up and she pushed me down about third time. I said, quit touching me. I'm fine. Leave me alone. I got to get back to my guys. I just got my feet underneath me. And she looked at me and said, Sergeant Mills, I don't know how you're still a liquor now, but you need to go to sleep. So she knocked me out. Last thing I looked at that nurse and said, my little girl, I'm never going to see her again. You know, because my daughter was six months old. And then they went into 14 hours of surgery where nine doctors and seven nurses worked on me. Two nurses for nine hours. They pumped air in and out of my lungs. Like you see on Gray's Anatomy and stuff. Yeah. And then when they were doing all that, you know, I was given over 400 units of blood, which is the most blood ever given to anybody at that time in the wars. I think I might still hold the record, which I hope I do. I'm all about winning, you know, yeah, but yeah, yeah. they actually ran out of blood in the blood bank and they had to do like an emergency call over the PA or speaker system and say, if you have a positive universal blood, get here now and right from their veins, right to mine. So it was a pretty rough, rough day. So did, did you, do you remember the pain at all? Didn't hit me. The only thing that was painful was the sternum IV. So like you, you've had an IV before, right? In your arm yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Nah, they had no way to get in those because I didn't have any of that really left to like mess with. So they had, they had to hammer like this 10 gauge needle or something right through my sternum right here. And I remember going, oh, what the, you know. So but, like, but like when the bomb went off and all that, you don't remember any burning feeling or anything like that or any pain? No, no. But that's where like they say shock or adrenaline or whatever kicks yeah. in. Yeah. And I, I truly think if I would like freaked out or whatever, like my heart would have beat faster and I would have died out. And I was just like, yo, whatever happens, we're, we're good. Like, don't worry about it. Did you have any fear at that time at all? Like, no, you remember I, anything? actually, I was, like- I was, I was, I was pretty irritated. Uh, I kept repeating. It's not, if it's when, and I threw some F words in there because before we deployed our commander was like, it's not, if it's, we get hit, it's when we get hit. And I was like, what kind of idiot says that to his troops? Like, why would you say it's not, if it's when you're trying to scare people from coming back from leave you moron. You don't say that. It's if you get hit, that was a fluke. It ain't going to happen again. And you keep right. pushing forward. And then I lay on the ground saying, if it's not, it's not, if it's when, and I think I repeat a few times saying it's not, if it's, you know, F and when I said, yep. how ridiculous yep. now it's me. So yeah, I wasn't pleased about that comment that he made to be honest with you. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, and I was like repeating that um, a few times before I like settled in. It was like a it, chuckle, like a weird chuckle. Shit, man. And then when you woke up for the first time, like, when did you have a first realization of what really what was going on? Because obviously it's like a blur when it's happening, right? Yeah. There's yeah. No so, sense of reality. Yeah. So they medically sedated me, took me to surgery, the 14 hours, all that stuff. My brother-in-law got the phone call about what happened because he was still in the military and still great friends with me. Um, to this day, obviously, I'm married to his sister, so he's got to like me or I'll beat him. <laughs> um, but he got the phone call about what happened because before you deploy, no matter if you're 17 or 75, you got to fill a thing out in the army called the blue book. And you basically just planned your funerals freaking morbid, right? Like I want to be buried here with this on, with these objects. Like mine was a picture of me and Kelsey and Chloe and my wedding ring, right? And like, I want to have this style of funerals, you know, civilian or military. And I want to be this music played, whatever, like all these questions. And the last thing is like, who escorts your body home? You can pick somebody. So I obviously was picking him and he picked me. So when this is all happening, they don't know if we'll live or die. They call Josh and tell him what happens. So he flies into Kandahar from his outpost. And then they fly us from there to Bagram on April 12th. They took me in for like a washout. And at that time I had uh, my left hand still, but the other three were gone. And then they had to cut it off because the skin died. And then on April 14th, they flew me from Bagram to Germany and launched to on my, my 25th birthday, 14th of April, my birthday, right? They woke me up for the first time. And like when I came to the only person in the room was my brother-in-law. And I looked at Josh and the first thing out of my mouth was my soldiers. How are my soldiers? He told me, you know, Ryan's here, Brand's there. This is what happened, blah, blah, blah. I said, okay. And I looked at him again. I said, am I paralyzed? 
And he said, no. And I looked at Josh and Josh, you know, got to lie to me, man. I can't put my fingers and toes. You tell me the truth. He said, man, you're not paralyzed, but you don't have them anymore. So then like three hours, right? I ignored everybody. Doctors came in to try to talk to me, nurses, therapists, whatever, Josh, my brother-in-law. And I was just like, I got my own damn questions. You know, I'm like, am I a bad person? Does God hate me? What did I do wrong in life to deserve this? How can I be a husband and a father? And it's funny because I'm really great friends with Gary Sinise now through all like the injury and all the work he does with Mm -hmm. veterans. And my biggest thing was like, why didn't I just die? You know, like, how is this better? And it's not that I was suicidal. It was just like. I wanted to take a quick break here to remind you that my book, Rocket Fuel, is available for sale now at MikeCRock.com forward slash book. That's MikeCROC.com forward slash book. Go get a copy and share it with your friends and family. It will change lives, guys. I will not let you down. Now back to the show. Someone That's the questions me. that he asked in that movie in Forrest Gump. Though. Right, that, right. right. He, He's like, yeah. I should die with my man on the yeah. battlefield. But like, I'm sitting here going like, this guy's got to help me use the bathroom. This person's got to feed me food. This person's got to change me and like, you know, put my clothes on me. Like, how is, how is this better? So I have my own questions. I'm not going to answer any of their questions. And then finally, he like told me I should call my parents and my wife. And I said, yeah, you're right. So I called my wife. And the only thing I said to her was, hey, what's up? I'm fine. Love you. Bye. Like, I didn't want to talk, have a conversation. And then with my parents about the same thing, you know, I was like really apologetic and embarrassed. I got hit, you know, so sorry about the whole thing. And then like my mom, before I hung the phone, it was like, Hey, happy birthday, by the way. Like, you know, and then, uh, I arrived at Walter Reed on April 17th, which my wife and I behind everybody's back got married April 17th, had a big wedding in June. And we just called June our wedding. So like I saw her in our four year anniversary, <laughs> um, well, we don't discuss it or whatever, but then like yeah. when, I, when she saw me, they gave her a clipboard. As soon as she rolled up to me, like I had them pushing me in and they gave her a clipboard and said, Mrs. Mills, his right leg ripped open. Like his sutures have split. Like uh, he needs to have emergency surgery because his leg two inches higher. But when he drew authorization to do it, he'll bleed out and die. You know, here's my 23 year old wife staring at me for the first time and like has to like say, yeah, hack him up some more. So pretty traumatizing for her. She signs it. I go in for surgery. The next day she comes in the 18th. And I say, look, you don't got to do this. Like, this is not the life I would pick for you. You know, she was 23 at the time. I'm 25. We have a six month old. I'm like, just take Chloe and go house cars, any money saved up. It's all yours. And financially I'll, you know, take care of you forever. And she's like, you know, I really want handicapped parking. So I'm going to ride this out. Right. But, oh, you didn't even hear that one. I said, mm, that's a joke. Oh, I missed it. Right. Darn. Ah, man. Go ahead. Go ahead. Do it again. So right. I hear it. No, no. Yeah, I hear it. I, <laughs> no, I told her she should leave. And she said, no, I really want handicapped parking. I'm going to stick around for that. Uh, um, but anyway, anyway no, 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 did you have, did you have a sense of humor prior to all this? Or yeah, this but I was more, involved? I was a lot more annoying to people. Like now they're just giving me free pass. Um, no, I, I'm, like, I'm like this though. Cause I like it. If people get, if people get so pissed at me. My wife doesn't even laugh at me. She gets annoyed by me because I, I always have a joke at something. So I love yep, it. There I am. I'm I the awkward it. guy at the funeral. I get it. No. Yeah. Yeah, I'm always joking around and, and having fun. I was at class clown and I tell my teachers, like I went back to smoking my high school. And look, I'm a motivational speaker. I got my own company for it. And I, I do fairly well, I'd say. I mean, I feel like I do well. And I said, you know what, guys? Look, teachers, nine out of 10 times are right. Nine out of 10. And some of the teachers like, excuse me? I was like, every day in class, they told me to stop talking. I get paid to talk to people now. Mm-hmm. They were holding me back. Yeah, yeah, nine out yeah. of 10 times are right, but not in my case. <laughs> yeah, but yep. I know. I mean, same I know thing, man. Teachers. Yeah. Yep. So they were cool. Yeah. Yeah. I was the same way, man. I talked my ass off all the time, man. Got in trouble for it. Yeah. So then from there, so from there, like what I'm just, I'm just like, you know, man, it's just like crazy. Like, cause I, when I hear, hear my stories that I get on these podcasts, I start putting myself in your shoes and I just yeah. try to think about like how I would have reacted and how it would have been. And just, it just blows me away, man. Um, it did me it, too. 
So then how, like afterwards, like when did you realize like, shit, okay, this is the way it's going to be. I'm going to, I'm going to take a hold of this thing by the balls and I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to make the best out of it. Cause there's obviously a purpose here. Yeah. So, um, I mean, once you realize you're not going to die and you realize like, this is your life. Like I used to close my eyes and I'd hope and wish and pray like this, ain't, this ain't reality. Like how do I go back in time? Yeah. And every time I open my eyes, like, nope, still here. This is still really happening. And I just made a decision, you know, I was like, all right, time to get better. Like my wife says, you're staying. My daughter comes in and hangs out with me. I just got to get better. So like you said, your favorite day is Monday. So is mine. I hated the weekends because I couldn't get better on the weekends because the therapist and everybody went home and I was just stuck not getting better. But, you know, I've learned like two very important life lessons that I live by. And the first thing is, you know, I don't dwell on the past. I just reminisce. I had 25 years that were great, you know, for the most part. And I had one bad day. And then now I've had nine years being like this. And I've been able to accomplish a lot. So instead of dwelling on what happened, I just reminisce and move forward. I don't get stuck in the past, if you will. And then also, you know, I tell people you can't always control your situation, but you can always control your attitude. I mean, every morning I wake up, no arms and legs on. I jump my wheelchair. I get my arm on off because it's on a charger, like a cell phone, yeah. you know, and I just go about my day, take my daughter to school, my son and I, you know, hang out and play. He's out fishing right now. And my wife and I do well. And I actually, I've been fortunate to not only start a nonprofit that's doing very well, uh, the Travis Mills Foundation. But I also, you know, I own and operate four different businesses, either solely or with partners. And I got a brewery I'm starting. I just got approved last night. Pretty let's big go. night for me last let's night. Let's go. Yo, oh. I don't know if you remember this in the clubhouse room where I met you. I said, I wake up every morning and I, I go, Dad, I, I did 300 podcasts this, this past year, like with different shows, not my own. Mm-hmm, but, mm-hmm. And I always tell people like gratitude is so important to me. And I wake up in the morning and I literally, you remember this? I said, I wiggle my fingers and toes. And people think it's kind of corny that I do that. I'm like, I have hands. How many times throughout the day we go throughout our day, we don't even pay attention to our arm and hands and feet and like really pay attention to it. The fact we just go about and use it, you know, and take it for granted. It's like, it blows me yeah. away. So my life changed when I started doing this every morning and just being thankful for everything around me. When I heard your story, I'm like, dude, this is like, there's a reason that I do that. Like it, it makes sense. It's, it's, you know what I mean? So what, what, um, not motivational speaker. I have a dabble in that as well. And like, I know for a fact that there's times where I feel like I need somebody to be like me to me. Like, so when nobody's around and you're by yourself, like, what are some of the things that go through your head, man? You know, I, uh, I'm writing a book on resiliency right now. And the truth is like, one of the chapters is like, you know, stop asking why, like for me uh, a long time ago, I stopped asking why. Cause you can get lost in that. You can get lost in like, why me? Why this happened? Why was this supposed to be my fate? You know? And some people are like, oh, this was your, you know, people like tell me that God had a plan for me. Right. And this isn't like I'm anti-Christian. Like I'm definitely Christian, but they're like, this was God's plan the whole time. I'm like, well, that's not, that's not anything I want to hear. Like, I don't want to hear like I was going to have a great life and at 25 get blown up, lose arms and legs. But instead of me sitting around saying like, why did this happen? I just go about my day. Right. Like, just like you, right. You put your pants on. I put my legs on, then my pants. You put your shirt on. I throw my arm on and then I put my shirt on. And I don't see myself as different from anybody else. Thanks to the Garrison's Foundation and a couple other like Karen Charitable Foundation and stuff. Like I have a house that has an elevator adapted so I can get around. My wife can take off and do whatever she needs to do. And I can still like, you know, operate and things like that, you know, independently with my kids because it's adapted for me in my wheelchair. But I throw my legs on and I go about my day. You know, my legs are Bluetooth. I drive my truck. I do all that stuff. So it, it works out real well for me. But I also, I, I found out that I drowned out the silence. Like when I'm in bed at night and it's dark and there's nothing going on, you know, that's when you know, it'll fade sometimes like, man, why me? Or like, why is this rest of my life? Or what am I going to do when I'm 50? Or what am I doing when I'm 70 with prosthetics, no hands? And I'm like, don't even worry about that stuff. So I just like drown it out and I just turn it to like, 
man, what if I was like a UFC fighter? How cool would that be? Not right now, but I'm saying like back in the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But, but I think as crazy as it sounds, like I just, I kind of shut down thinking like, man, what if I had hands here? What if I had that? Because yeah. that does me nothing. It does me no good. So I just shut the door in the past. I had a great time, you know, with them. And now, you know, my daughter plays soccer and gymnastics. My son seems like he's going to be a brute like I was, which is great. And we wrestle and we play and we got on the trampoline and, you know, just thankful for, like you said, you know, you wake up and you're thankful for your hands, your feet and all that. Just grateful to still be around. Yeah, man. I love it. And what's your core, what's your core, like core message when you go around speaking? What's your core? Well, I mean, message? I tell people, yeah, so there's, there's a lot. So I, I basically based it off of four um, topics, right? It's motivation, right? I had my chance to, to dwell in, in pity and misery and just be upset about it. But I was like, well, my daughter's right here. My wife says, just stay by my side. Like I have things to do. I got a life to live. My daughter, you know, is going to grow with a dad like me. So I might as well make the best of it. And I could say my daughter, when I started learning how to walk, she was learning how to walk as well. So I got to hold her hand and she like stumbled around with me on my short legs and we learned how to walk together. You know, then I go into goal setting because I think goals are a huge thing, right? Like my goal in life before was 20 years military, uh, high school teacher, football coach, lawn care business on the side in the summers with the seniors that graduate, you know, always hustling. It's different now, right? Now I'm starting a brewery. Start, I own a marina on the lodge. I got some real estate, an insurance company I'm part of and um, my foundation uh, is doing very well. And it's just about what can I do next? What can I keep press, pressing on? I'm starting Lure and Tackle Company, if you must know, uh, pretty soon. But, uh, you know, but like those are like some goals I set, you know, in the first it was you have a hand to eat and feed myself and change myself and like, you know, my clothes and like use a restroom by myself. Then it was, can I walk again? Can I drive again? Can I, you know, mm-hmm. walk a 5k? Can I, you know, whatever. And then I talk about just healthcare technology. People always wonder like, how do my legs work? I just get people staring at me all the time. And I'm not that guy that's going to be like, what are you looking at? Or why are you staring <laughs> at me? A shy <laughs> way. I'm like, Hey, what's going on? Yep, you know, yep. and I have conversations and now where I live at though, everybody knows, you know, me for the most part and everybody like heard of my foundation and the work that we do. So like, it's, I don't know, it's pretty neat, you know, that I don't have to worry about like people staring like, Oh, Hey Travis, how you doing? When's the foundation open up? When's the Marina? Da, 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 right. da. You know, like I'm in the community now and I'm out and about. And that's why I try to preach to all the guys that come to, you know, our veterans retreats and things like that. Like, Hey, look, be active in society in your community. Like don't yeah. be a shut in because you look different. Just be out there and say, Hey, you know, and then I go right into perspective and that's like the real meat potatoes. So like I joke around and have a good time. People sometimes think it's a facade. It's not, but I show a slide of the two guys, like two of the, the I, don't know, I have a bunch of guys I was close to, but two guys in the slideshow. One was my really good friend who unfortunately, you know, died on his third deployment. He lost his arms and or he lost his life. And so my buddy, Frankie, you know, I was with him on two deployments, really close friend of mine on his third deployment. He went overseas with Fort Bliss, you know, out of Fort Bliss and his truck hit a bomb and everybody in the truck died. Left behind his daughter, Sophia, his wife, Christine. His daughter was four years old. You know, like that means something to me, like his sacrifice and his family sacrifice. You know, his mom gave anything for one more conversation. They don't get that. My mom's here with me. Actually, she just flew from Michigan to Maine to hang out on Monday. You know, my mom, dad and everybody's still in my life. And so the guy, Brandon, he left a seven month old behind not meaning to, but he died overseas. And, you know, I just think people need to realize like, yeah, my situation looks awful from the outside in. I get why everybody would think that, but I am so fortunate to have lived through that, to be here for those moments, you know, my kids' birthdays, my yeah. wife and I's anniversary and, yeah. you know, and continue to, to, you know, to do good. So, you know, with that, like, I just also think about the doctors and nurses, they could have loosened up one turn. Think about it. Like one tourniquet, they could have loosened up on my arm. And within two minutes, I would have bled out. If yeah. I was in that front table, they're like, ah, this guy ain't worth it. One tourniquet, I bleed out two minutes. They call it a day. 
instead they put 14 hours into me in, in the initial, right? I've had 10 surgeries prior, uh, since, but like in the initial, like 14 hours, like, no, nah, we can save this dude. And then the nursing staff and the prosthetics and the therapist and everybody at Walter Reed and the support around the nation. So I guess for me, it's like, it's all about gratitude. It's all about like, Hey, thank you. And one, one more you know, point before I, I stop rambling, but like my alive day, they call it with the, that's the day you get injured. They call it your alive day. I don't know why. I used to hate it. I'm like, no, my birthday's in four days. That's when I was really alive. So we're not going to celebrate it. It's just another, it's like a typical Tuesday to me. But my year eight, you know, I, I get on my Instagram and I put a story up and I, I'm like, hey, you know what? After eight years of this, me being kind of bitter and angry and not wanting to celebrate this or not want to talk about it. I think the biggest thing I got to say is thank you. Thank you for all the hard work that went into me. Thank you for believing that I could, you know, still do well and, and have purpose in life. And thanks for not giving up on me for everybody. And that's why I'll continue. Like my foundation, right? The Travis Mills Foundation, we bring up combat and service connected injured veterans and show them how to do things adaptively at this all inclusive retreat that we built for like uh, probably now like four or five million dollars. And it's no cost to the veteran that'd be physical injury, paralyzation, amputation, spinal cord injury, something to do with service. And then we also have a post traumatic stress program that we started free to the veteran. And it's really helping with that, you know, PTS or PTSD or whatever you want to call it. And I'm going to keep giving back. I'm the founder and creator of my wife. We don't take a dime. It's all about giving back. And, you know, if anybody out there likes 5Ks, we've got a virtual 5K going on that is from Memorial Day. We usually, it's our 10th annual. We just have it right here in Augusta, but we had to go virtual. So now I can go nationwide with it. If you guys want to check out the foundation's website, travismillsfoundation.org and sign up, I appreciate it. Yeah, go support it. Go support it. Where can I get the book? Oh, uh, Amazon. It's in Barnes and Nobles and Books a Million and all those places. But, you know, you never know where it's going to be. So I just buy it on yeah. Amazon if I need to buy it. Yeah. So go support Travis's foundation. Go get his book. Support our guest, guys, especially this gentleman here, man. This is, uh, story is phenomenal, man. Just, uh, I, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of speechless. And I, that's, that's really an odd thing to say. <laughs> but hey, so Travis, before we go, final question. I explained the rocket fuel law to you. It's something that I live by. I wrote a book about it, talking about turning all setbacks, everything that would stop you or slow down, storing it in your tank instead of your trunk where it would weigh you down and becoming unstoppable. What does that law mean to you? I think it's exactly how I live life, to be honest with you. I'm not trying to steal your thunder. You know, I tell people my slogan is never give up, never quit. I live by it. I took my injuries and I made it into a positive. And I wanted to make sure that I did everything I could to get back on my feet and not be seen as the guy that, oh, the guy with norms, no legs. More is like, hey, that's the guy that has the foundation or the business guy or the family guy. You know, like those are things that are important to me. And I had a gentleman at Walter Reed. He lost both legs. Very angry, very bitter. Tell me I'm part of the everything's great club. And I said, what's that supposed to mean? He said, man, you lost your arms and legs. You act like everything's great. And I said, yep, you're right. I do. And I said, because I imagine I got 50 years left and I can either be bitter about it, not accept it and not move forward or I can get over it, understand like this is life and you got to live it and be as happy and as upbeat and as cheery as I can because I got so many more years left. And it changed. I think it changed his whole demeanor right there on the spot. He's like, huh, never thought of it that way. And I mean, I think that's exactly what you're saying with the rocket fuel. Like you get it out of the trunk. I'm using it to fuel me. I was able to live through my injuries and I'm going to keep doing good in the world and uh, keep inspiring, hopefully motivating. And, and, you know, if anyone wants to follow me on Instagram and Twitter, it's just at SSG Travis Mills. I'm not as popular as this gentleman right here. Nah, I'm yeah, not nowhere near as good bullshit. looking. Yeah, yeah, but, no, 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 no. You, you, you got, got me, bro. I do fun video. <laughs> I do fun stuff with my family and live the logo of never, or the, the slogan of never, never quit. And he's funny as shit. And so, hey guys, go follow Travis. Travis, thank you so much for being here today, man. I appreciate it. If there's any way I can help, let me know. But you know, I, I'm happy to be able to call you a friend, man. At this point, and you're you're definitely a rocket fueler, dude. So hey, no, thanks I appreciate for being that. here, man. Thanks so guys. Much. You guys have a great day. You guys have been listening to the What Are You Made of podcast with your boy Mike C Rock and. 
Travis Mills. Thanks for listening. Go subscribe on my YouTube channel, Mike C. Rock Sirocco, or subscribe to your favorite podcast platform and go get that Rocket Fuel book. Become unstoppable yourself. Until next time, be unstoppable. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of What Are You Made Of? Be sure to check my website out at themikecrock.com, themikecrock with no K.com, and let us know how we can help you or your business reach its full potential. Feel free to leave a review or follow me on social media, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and YouTube at Mike C. Rock Scirocco. Again, thank you for joining me and see you guys on the next episode. I want to remind you that the Rocket Fuel book is available at my website, MikeCrock.com forward slash book. That's MikeCrock.com forward slash book. Go get yourself a copy. Thank you so much for your support and your listenership. It means the world to me.